Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. We are continuing in the book of John and we are working through that. We're, we're kind of like up to chapter 7, which is a really interesting chapter. And we are about to read a portion of Scripture where we have revelation of who Jesus is, which is crucial for us. But not only that, a revelation of what He wants to do in our life today. And it takes place during a festival and is the festival that is celebrated every year by the Jewish people and Israel, uh, Israelites all around the world. And there are three main festivals that take place. There's the Passover, which is kind of like our Easter time of remembrance. Then there is Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the early church that we also celebrate. And then there is the festival of the Feast of Tabernacles, which we kind of like don't really celebrate, which is an interesting type of thing. And it is at this festival that takes place where something incredibly important that Jesus says to a group of people. And there are three significant aspects of the festival of Tabernacles that I want to kind of like just bring to you this morning because it's all going to lead into something really, really important. And it's called the Festival of Tabernacle or the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths because it is a time of celebration when Joshua led the people from uh, the desert, from the wilderness into the Promised Land when he passed through the River Jordan. And God said, I want you to celebrate this festival, to remember where you've come from and what God has done in your life. It's a time of remembrance, a time of celebration. And there is a historical uh, significance about this for the children of Israel. You must remember this, that this took place. And you know, when they came out of, you know, the desert out of the wilderness, out of that place where they had no home, they would live in booths or shelters that were made from sticks or straw. And because God was looking after them, their shelter was so that they could look up and see the stars and focus on God. And so every year, the children of Israel in Jerusalem, there would be thousands of these booths or shelters that would take place they were commanded to celebrate this every year and they would have to go outside and celebrate wouldn't that be great if we could just go outside and camp underneath the stars and take the time to think about God as long as it happens in summer I'm cool for that not uh, not winter that would be terrible Ooh, just the thought of that And this is what they would have to do. And in Jerusalem, we know, because we've had a look at it historically, thousands and thousands of people would be there. And they would all be 
you know, in these booths with their family, they'd be cooking and they would be looking up at the stars and be considering God. But it was a time to reflect what God had done in our life. Last week, we took the time to reflect how God had taken us from a place of nowhere into a place of belonging here. And it's great to remember that, celebrate the time that the faithfulness of God, it's just the faithfulness of God that we're focusing on. And so they would, they would sleep in these booths and they would reflect about God's goodness. And secondly, there is a agricultural significance about this because it was also called the festival of ingathering. It was a time when they would gather all the crops. This uh, feast of tabernacles, a festival of tabernacles, was the most exciting festival of all. Josephus, a Jewish historian, he says this, it is the holiest and the greatest festival among the Jews. Because it was eight days of celebration. It was originally seven, but someone said, hey, why don't we go for eight? This is typical, isn't it? And so they would celebrate the ingathering of all these crops, about bounty, about goodness. And it was for everyone, for the rich, for the poor, and for the slave. And when they celebrated this at the, at the uh, temple... They would actually, on the first day, they would celebrate it by slaughtering 70 bulls. And that was for one for every nation that they knew of at that time in the world. Imagine that. Celebrating, remembering the nations of the world. And so it was a, you know, it was a historical moment for them. It was an agricultural moment. Everyone took part in this. It was a festival of just joy and excitement and life. But it also has spiritual significance. There's something really deep about this. And this is where we're going to kind of like camp just for a few moments. During this festival, at the beginning of every day, a priest would take a gold pitcher that would hold uh, as in a vase, a pitcher like you would hold water, would hold about uh, 1.2 mils of water. And he would get this golden pitcher and he would walk from the temple to the pool of Siloam. And as he walked, there were other priests, there were people, there was singing, there was dancing, there was rejoicing. People were excited because, you know, they were just going to be remembering what God had done for them, remembering the time of celebration, remembering they've come out of wilderness and now that they've got their, their place of worship and the priest would take this golden pitcher down to the pool of Siloam with singing and quoting of scripture with priests and people dancing and he would dip this pitcher into the pool of Siloam and as he dipped it in, he said this, Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water from the well of salvation. And the people would shout, yeah! Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water from the well of salvation. And then they would all celebrate and the priest would walk back up to the temple. And as he came to the temple, he would get some wine and he would mix it with the water. And he would pour it onto the 
altar as people are watching. And as he did this, he said this, Hosanna, I pray, O Lord, send prosperity now. And the people would shout with excitement. And then just as he finished drawing that last bit out, as it hit the temple, this, the, the, the altar at the temple, the oil, sorry, the water and the wine would cover it. And then there would be a hush. And people would stop. And they would take the time and reflect on the Holy Spirit. Because the water was a, re, was a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming. And that congregation in their thousands, when that water and wine that was mixed and fell on that altar, they would stop and they would reflect on the Holy Spirit. And then after a short time, they would start. The rest of their day was celebrating and telling stories of how, how their families were taken from slavery, from bondage. How that God had used Moses and Joshua and how they, the, all those things that took place like those plagues. And they would come to the Jordan and they would talk about how that Joshua led them across that river on that dry land to Jericho. And they would talk about the stories of how Joshua and the Israelites who marched around the walls of Jericho with the priests in front and with the covenant of God which spoke of the presence of God. And that would just be laughter and joy. And it took place on the first day. And then on the second day, they did the same thing. And then on the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, every morning. And as the celebration went on, there was more and more excitement as they were coming to the seventh day. And on the seventh day, there was something different. As the priest took that picture, that golden picture, and walked, there was singing, there was dancing, there were scriptures. And as he dipped that, he says, therefore you shall draw water from the well of salvation. And people would be excited. And they would turn around and they would head to the temple. And they would mix wine with the water. And they would stop. And they would walk around the altar once and stop. And they would walk around the altar twice and stop. And they would walk around three and four and five and six and seven times to represent that when the children of Israel came out of a place of bondage, that when Jericho's walls came down on that last day, that seventh day, when they marched around the walls seven times. Everyone was so excited. And then he would pour the water out mixed with the wine. And then a hush would settle on the congregation. And they would wait and they would contemplate the Holy Ghost. 
the Spirit of God. And there was complete silence. And then, at that moment, Jesus says this. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And at that moment, in that crowd of people, something happened. Some got it. Some didn't get it. The scripture says this, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given. And Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Imagine that thousands of people in a celebration time, complete silence as they are concentrating, as they're thinking about the Spirit of God. And Jesus shouts out, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. That changed everything that day. And when it settled on the people, this is what took place. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this is the prophet that we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scripture clearly states that the Messiah will be born, the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. When he says, anyone, come to me. As they're meditating and thinking about the Spirit of God, something takes place. Some people said, yes, he's the Messiah. Some people said, no, he's got to come from Bethlehem. Do you know that sometimes when God is doing something in your life, he doesn't reveal everything to you? They were waiting. He's, he's, from, he's a Nazarene. He's from Galilee. No. He was born in Bethlehem. And in fact, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 tells us that he would come from Galilee. That he would be a blessing. But they couldn't get it. Because they were so locked into one way of thinking of how God would do something. That they lost the opportunity to embrace a moment in history that they would never forget. God doesn't always reveal everything to us at once. He reveals more, bit by bit. You see, for us, the promise of the Spirit has been given to us. And He has been given to us. And Jesus says this, the promise is to all to come anyone. He calls out anyone. 
anyone, come, come to me. No restrictions, no requirements. Anyone is invited to come to me. It's open to all. Do you know what I found as a pastor over the years? When there is a promise of God for some things, some people think, I'm just not worthy to receive that. Why should I receive that? If God has promised you something, then God can deliver on it. The people say, Lord, I don't feel worthy. Of course not. You're not worthy to receive it. But God is gracious and kind, and through Jesus' death on the cross, He makes us worthy. He makes us acceptable. He makes us His beloved. Your worthiness and His capability are two different things. Never, ever let your lack of worthiness override God's capacity to do something great in your life. Otherwise, we will be staying as we are. But He wants us to change. Have you ever been somewhere and it's totally different? I remember once I was in a meeting with all these intellects. Doctors of philosophy, great minds, brilliant preachers, and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm feeling like this. I feel like, how are you going? I felt so uncomfortable. I shouldn't be in this room with these people. But for some strange reason, I got invited, and at that moment, I thought to myself, this is a moment to remember that you're accepted. And it wasn't because anything that I had done, it was because of everything that he had done in me that made me acceptable. Have you ever, ever been around athletes, and athletes are talking, and you're thinking, I don't deserve to be here but you're there. I see that hand. Thank you. Never let the feeling of unworthiness rule God's capacity, His capability to take you to a place that you do not know of. Because He takes you because of who He is and what He has done in you. And Jesus promises His to all to come. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Are you thirsty? <laughs> what are you thirsty for? What does your heart ache for truly? What do you want? What do you want? The cry of the heart is such an amazing thing. A cry for truth, a cry for help, a cry for what is real, what is life. You know, when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. It's not just eternal life, but it's the fulfillment of life. 
in the midst of the trials that you go through, he gives us life and power. How many times have we tried to fill our hearts with different things only to find that it just becomes more and more empty? Well, if I get a Mazda CX-5, I'm going to feel really good. So I get a Mazda CX-5 and the turbo blows up in it. Don't feel good now. I'm a little bit more empty out of the pocket than I was before. But he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone. What are you thirsty for? Are you thirsty for him? You know, the greatest power that you can have in your life is the power to live in the power of God, of who he has created you to be. And to live in that power and to have that peace, to have that self-acceptance, to have that confidence that is in God and not in you. If we live in that power, people will want what we have regardless of their circumstances. I can remember once when I was uh, with someone, I had been with them for a few days, we were on a trip, and they said, okay, I haven't worked it out about you yet. What is it? Oh, oh it's just like honey to the lips, mm, like sugar on a stick, mm, like a caramello melting in your mouth with hot I said, Jesus came into my life and changed me. That's what happened. And that's what people are looking for, something real, something authentic and genuine. They can't understand the mystery of God, but they see the mystery of God. And that is him working in us. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. But here's something really strange. The promise, Jesus said, has a condition. You must believe that he is the Messiah. First, you see, he gives, anyone can come to me. Yeah, you can come, yeah. But anyone who believes in me, believes me, that I am the Messiah, may come and drink. You know, many people come to Jesus They just come, oh, that's Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's a teacher. Oh, he's an interesting philosopher. Oh, he's got some really cool sayings. Yeah. They come to him, but they never accept or believe he is the Messiah. There are some who cannot believe. There are some who will not believe. And there are some who dare not believe. Well, God, I want you to do this for me. You know what God says? God said, believe. Believe in me. They want God. They wait for God to do something. God waits for us to believe. What do you want him to do? He has already done everything that he can. He has opened the way for us in every possible way to come to him. And we are to but believe. 
Anyone can come. Yeah, you can come to him. But unless you believe, you cannot drink of the water that he gives. Then Jesus says this, the promise of the life-giving Spirit of God. Rivers of living water shall flow from you. He was speaking of the Spirit. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would, who would come into a person. He would speak of Him who they had been reflecting on for hundreds of years. Jesus said, come, come and drink, but you must believe in me. Unless you believe, you cannot drink. For us today, he has entered glory. He has, he has, refilled, he has filled every requirement of the law. He has done everything that was prophesied. Over 360 prophecies concerning what he would do. He has done everything possible for us. And now he's seated on the right hand of the Father. Seated. And then, when the early church gathered, this is what he said to them. He said, now, Luke 24, 49, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. The promise of the Holy Spirit. But he said, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he said to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John the Baptist will baptize you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.14 says this, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham. Same promise. Not a different promise. Same promise. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You receive that gift by faith. And in Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says this, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you, and we rejoice, yes, salvation. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. Do you know that? That when, when you receive it, He says, that's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son. That's our guys. He's identifying us as his own by, listen to this, 
by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. This promise is long ago. This is a Pentecostal church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the promise is for today because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. His promises are truth. They are yes and amen. This promise of the Holy Spirit is for us. And many people have received the Spirit of God. Many people have been baptized with the Spirit of God. And it's the evidence by speaking in other tongues according to Scripture. And we get on with our life after we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is my personal experience and the experience that I've seen of many. We quickly forget the Holy Spirit. We get on with our lives and we do things and we don't take the time to get filled with the Spirit of God every day of our life. Listen to this mild rebuke from Paul to the church at Ephesus. He says this, Let me say this first. Let us never be so intelligent that we forget the miraculous spiritual power that God has given us. Let us never be so classy and so cultured that we forget what is important. Let us remember this. this re- I think this is a rebuke from Paul. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. And you go, yeah, well, if you're getting drunk, it'll ruin your life. It'll destroy it. We've had alcohol, alcoholics in our family. My uncle was an alcoholic. Terribly abused my, my auntie, my cousin. It's tragic stuff. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But listen to what he says. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Greek, it is a continuous, present, tense. Be filled. Keep being filled. Keep getting filled up. Don't stop. If you think you're filled, you're not filled. You're just filled. You need to be more filled than filled. We've got to be filled. Ask Him, fill me, Spirit of the living God. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Speak in tongues. Paul says, I speak in tongues than all of you. Can you imagine what it would be like hanging around him, someone who was speaking in tongues all the time? What's he talking about? I don't know, he's still speaking in tongues. When was that? That was four days ago. He hasn't stopped. He says, I'm just going to speak in tongues. And I'm sure there was times when he stopped Because he says, if it's unintelligent, what's the purpose of that? But what he's saying is, I have a passion to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because Jesus promised me. He sent the promise. And those who came out of that wilderness, that place of death and destruction and despair, it's a desert, nothing grows, nothing grows. And God had to send manna from heaven. To feed them. Think about that for 40 years. 
Nothing. And God takes them out. And they cross the Jordan. And they march around the walls, which speaks to off speaks to us that nothing, nothing can stop us when God is for us. Walls, simply by marching with the presence of God, will come down in your life. Be filled with the Spirit of God. I want us to be so attractive as individuals and people that people go, I I just don't get it about you. What is it? It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Spirit of God is with me. You want to be able to walk into places and people go, what was that? That was a child of God. Someone who touches other people because of the Spirit of God is coming out of us. And the only way for that to take place is if we get filled. And are filled and filled. Because I know that the more time that I spend with people, the more time I give of myself, I start to get a bit empty. Have you ever been with people for a long time and you think, I just don't want to talk anymore. I just, I just need to be filled. I just need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Ask Him to fill you. Say, Jesus, fill me. You see, it's the promise. And it is Jesus who baptizes us with the Spirit of God. It's Jesus who fills us with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in us. You know, at that altar, when they, they mixed the water and the wine and it poured on that, on that moment, they began to reflect on the Spirit of God. And then Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty can come to me. Anyone who comes to me and believes that I am Messiah, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Wow. It's the great thing about Jesus. He not only gives us eternal life, but he gives us life now to live life through his spirit. That's what we need, that life. I've come that you might have abundance. You might have that life of abundance in the spirit. And it's not, life is not without challenges. This does not mean, folks, that everything is going to be rosy and nice. In fact, I have found that when you are living for God in the highest possible manner that you can imagine, there's always trouble. Because the devil's trying to lay it on you. He'll do things to you. He'll do things to your kids. I mean, Alex was literally on fire one day. And not for the Lord. It was because he went underneath the house and poured gasoline out near the gas heating system. I'm at work, I get a phone call and they said, your, fi- your house is on fire, you better come home. But God, I'm serving you. I gave up everything for you. He said, yes, yeah, so did I. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we just think about us? And I tell you, the testimony, he has a mark. We won't ask him to take off his shoes. He has a mark as big as my pinky nail on his foot. And he was on fire for the Lord. His favorite scripture is, I was like a brand plucked out of a fire. <laughs> Jackie was born with a tumor in her neck. Sweet little nice Jackie. Don't be fooled by everything you see. God, what are you doing? I'm serving you. 
We've planted this church for you. It's not fair. When they killed my son, do you think that was fair? No. It was in the plan of God. We prayed for her. We have an x-ray before and after. It's no longer there. Why does God do these things? It's so that our reliance is thrown on him, not on us. I know that some of you are going through some tough times. But when you've done everything to stand, you just stand, baby. You just stand. You think about Job having everything and then having nothing. Yet though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. My Redeemer lives. You say that to the devil. Step back and laugh. Your day's coming, boy. If God is for us, then who, what can be against us? Do you know that neither height nor depth can separate us from the love of God? You know that death can't even separate us from God. In fact, death ushers us into the presence of God. Not that I want to die, because... I haven't swum with great white sharks yet. Not yet. But one day. One day. That might be the day. In fact, in September this year, I'm going to go and swim with the great white sharks. Yeah. And I still want to, don't want to die after that. Because there are a couple other things I'm a bit crazy about wanting to do. But that's all right. But folks, this life that he's given us is a life of excitement. Do you know, it talks about in the book of Hebrews, those of faith, and it mentions them. You know, it talks about Abraham, it talks about Moses, it talks about the women of faith. And it's, there's this whole host of people. And it talks about those who had not received their promise, they were still living by faith. I guess it comes down to Keep living by faith. Keep living by faith. Keep trusting God. I believe that as we live by faith and trust Him and hold on to a good, strong confession, that regardless of people, even though you see stuff on the outside, it doesn't look good. On the inside, they're saying, I want that. I want that. And it's not a thing. It's a who. It's the King of kings. It's the Lord of lords. He is life and he gives it to us. How exciting is that? I'm so excited. I could jump off the stage, but I won't. There should be a stirring in us. Holy Spirit, Jesus, fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us. You know, you don't have to get all the words right. In fact, it doesn't matter. It's just have to have that motive. God, do what you need to do in me. Give me that power you promised me to live. And he'll give it. If you seek him, you will find him. But you must seek with all your heart. Not a partial thing. Oh, I can't be bothered today. I'm too tired. That's the problem. You know, we've been reading the book of Proverbs in our daily reading. And I always laugh when I read this in Proverbs. A little slumber, a little sleep, a folding of hands, and you'll be blessed. 
No, destruction will come upon you. (laughs) We keep pressing in. Where do we go from here? We keep pressing in. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I need you. Jesus promised. And his promise is yes. Fill me, fill me, fill me. I want you, Holy Spirit. If we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. Our responsibility. Some people are waiting for God to do something. And he is saying, believe in me. Just believe in me. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.